All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Red Wings. It is Wednesday, February 5th, hump day. We're happy to have you all along with us. I am your host, Detroit sports writer and longtime Red Wings fan, Nolan Bianchi, here with the Lockdown Network. We do it every day here, and we actually have a very special guest. Uh, it's a friend of the program. We'll just call him Ethan for now. Uh, but Ethan possibly is a candidate to uh, join this show. Now, if you've been a listener of this podcast, you know that it's usually just me. Sometimes I'll do an interview. Sometimes I'll mix it up. Sometimes I'll uh, I'll call on another Lockdown host to join the show with me. But uh, other than that, you know, I don't really have anybody to bounce my thoughts off of. Uh, you know, and I have a lot of great thoughts. So I thought it would be useful to have maybe a yes man or something along those lines. <laughs> to uh, bring on the show and just kind of agree with my opinions and, and make me seem smarter than I am. So uh, who better than my friend, Ethan? Uh, Ethan, why don't you tell us just a little bit about you and your Red Wings fandom? You know, what's your experience with hockey? You know, take us through that. Absolutely. Nolan, you know, I just want to say thanks for giving me the opportunity to, uh, you know, help you out on this show. I know there's really only so much one Red Wing fan that's watching this team with, what, 12 wins? 13. Something like that, yeah. You know, there's only so much you can talk about. And, you know, bringing, in, bringing me in, hopefully, you know, I can ex- we can expand. Now you've been a Red Wings fan your whole life. Oh, yeah, whole, my whole life. It's probably since I was about six, I've been on skates, so. Are you going to deny the listeners the fact that you had a stint as a Blackhawks fan, or did you want to? It definitely goes back a little bit further than that. Um, I was always a big fan of Marion Hosa growing up. Going back to his Atlanta days. So, you know, those those teal jerseys, big fan of those. Yeah. Then he went to Pittsburgh, and I couldn't root for him there. Right. And then, you know, he was on Detroit for a year, and that was a great year. Then he went to Chicago and won three cups in but six you could, years. But you could root for Chicago? I have a Jonathan Taves jersey in my room. Okay. So uh, <laughs> so that's, that's, you know, folks, that's the type of person we're going to be speaking with. You know, I think since then, though, you've kind of come back around. Since Marion Hosa retired, you've kind of come back fully to the to the Red Wings? or Once Stan Bowman kind of started gutting the team, I kind of just jumped ship back to the Red Wings. But, I mean, it was kind of too late. Right, yeah. So you jumped ship at a, at a quite an awful time as the Red Wings continued to spiral uh, in the latter quite half a, of the 2010s. Time. It was a good time. As a as a Blackhawks fan? Well, it was a good it was a good time to jump ship from the Red Wings because, I mean, it was really starting to go down there. Yeah, sure. I'm loyal. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I figured today what better way to welcome Ethan onto the show than to power rank uh, the no trade clauses that Ken Holland gave out during his tenure as general manager of the Red Wings. Now, you know, we're not going to look back into like the, the early 2000s or, you know, the late 2000s or anything like that because, uh, but I think that, you know, I think that fans began to notice Ken Holland's obsession with the no-trade clause when he gave his first uh, mind-blowing, mind-blowing one to Stephen Weiss. Now, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Now, that'll be on the power rankings, absolutely. Absolutely. The way this is going to work is we, uh, we kind of just went through the recent history of the Red Wings and kind of compiled the list of guys who would be at play. So we have seven right now, and I'm going to list them off in alphabetical order as to not give away any of the suspense. Uh, so we have Justin Abdelkader, Trevor Daly, Danny DeKaiser, Jonathan Erickson, Darren Helm, and Franz Nielsen. 
Oh, and Stephen Weiss. All right, sorry, <laughs> sorry. You know, thank thank God we got a co-host here today. As our uh, friend Ethan pointed out, we also have Stephen Weiss. He, still, that was in alphabetical order, so I don't feel that bad about it. Um, now, Ethan, who is at the top, or who's okay? So the way we're going to do this is we're going to least or the list the least bad no trade clauses first. And then move in. The best of the worst yeah. to start. Yeah, yeah, And then the worst ones will be at the end. So who is that, who, who's the first person on your list? Who's the least bad no trade clause out of this list? I'd pick to Kaiser. I mean, it's... I agree. He, he was, what, 27 when he signed the contract? I mean, six years at $5 million isn't bad for a guy that you know is going to be on your blue line. I know he's running injury problems and stuff, but, I mean, he's, he's still been, out of all of those names... That it's that's gotta be the best contract. No, I, I'd have to agree. And I mean you like you just mentioned the injuries right there. Like if you look at, you know, kind of before this season and the, the last, he was relatively healthy during the regular season. I think during his yeah. what was that, his rookie year where he came in during the playoffs for the Red Wings and he hurt his thumb in that series against the Ducks. Uh, but outside of that, he's been uh, pretty much dynamite since signing as a you know, an undrafted free agent yeah. out of western Michigan all those years ago. Now, uh, uh, when you look at his production, another, ho- another too, homegrown talent. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and when you look at his production too, in the first couple of years, he kind of established himself as a pretty well-oiled offensive defenseman. Uh, 2014-2015, he's got 31 points, two goals, 29 assists. The following year, uh, he's got 20. Uh, the year before, so I went way out of order here. But 2013-2014, his first full year in the league, he puts up 23 points on that blue line. I think at that time. While, you know, the, the no-trade clause isn't uh, obviously ideal, I think just out of all the contracts that we listed, uh, you know, that one is probably the the best. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just, you could just tell that that's just going to be a guy that you know is just going to be that solid guy on your blue line. It's just unfortunate he just ran into injury problems. Yeah, and you know, I'd say another thing that's probably working against Andy Kaiser Ethan is the fact that uh, his first his first year after signing that contract, the 2016-2017 season, is when everything kind of started to fall apart for the Red Wings. Uh, he played all 82 games that year, but finished with a minus 22, just 12 points on four goals and uh, eight assists. So, I mean, there's a there's a chance that we look at the I don't know if you want to call it the decline or, or an underperformance or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but you know, I think that he has kind of an excuse maybe for, uh, for what kind of transpired, especially given that just the defensive unit as a whole in the past four or five years has been so bad. Yeah. I mean, even too, like just the age of this team was getting up there. They weren't bringing in prospects that were really going to fill that hole that, you know, that the Datsuk and the Zetterbergs were going to leave think the next guy who's he's definitely at the top of my list but I would assume he's also at you know the next guy on your list is Darren Helm and I feel like he's kind of a guy who might be wrapped up in the same conversation where his his decline in overall production and what have you kind of gets uh, diminished a little bit because you know the team is so bad and, and though it's not necessarily uh, you know through any fault of his own he's not in situations where he can succeed he's not catching them He's not catching, you know, a, a, a line that's exhausted because they just had to play against Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg. Uh, you know, he is at, let's see, what what is Darren Helm at? He's five years at, yeah, so five years at $3.5 million essentially for an average annual value. And, you know, despite the fact that we're, we're talking about no trade clauses here, 
I don't necessarily know that that's going to be a bad move uh, overall because he's he's the kind of guy that no matter what your team looks like, you need a guy like Darren Helm to kill penalties, to you know give you that those fourth line minutes, and uh, you know as much as a lot of people complain now about you know making room for you know new guys to come up and, and thrive in the NHL. Uh, I think Darren Helms, somebody who's definitely held up his end of the bargain. Yeah, his contract really doesn't bother me at all. With how with you see how the cap's going up, this guy can play. I mean, he's going to be a bottom six player. He's not going to be that guy that's going to get you forty points a season. That's just not going to happen. He's going to kill penalties. He's. I mean, he's been in the NHL for a while now. I mean, he's been here with the, through the good. He's going to help players with the, through these horrible times. Absolutely, and he's in. You know, he's like a Luke Glendening player. Uh, I believe it was Helene St. James. She got a mailbag uh, a couple weeks ago asking about is there a, a potential for Luke Glendening to be dealt at the deadline? Obviously, Red Wings fans looking at the empty cupboard of, of assets to trade away, and uh, but those are guys that you know teams do find value in, uh, regardless of whether it's a winning team or a losing team. You can always use guys like uh, Darren Helm and Luke Glendening. Like, I remember when uh, Babcock was on was in Toronto still. And they were throwing out rumors to get rid of Glenn Denning for like a second round pick. And I just never saw that value in getting rid of that guy that is just going to work his tail off for you every single night. Yeah, and you know, just outside of that too, we talked about setting an example in the locker room, setting an example through the rebuild as these young guys are learning or coming up. And you know, they need to find a next Darren Helm. They need to find the mm-hmm. next Luke Glenn Denning. Those are guys who are still going to to be coming up through the system. Just because a guy's not a stud who's going to play top six minutes doesn't mean that he's not worth anything. Uh, you know, guy, maybe a Dominic Turgeon or whoever you want to say, somebody like that who... Uh... And I, I really don't think it's fair either just because of these trade trips that the Red Wings have right now, like the Greens, the Dailies, the Howards that aren't going to get this value. I don't think it's right for the in the Red Wings rebuild to ship away these players like the Glenn Dennings that could that do serve an actual purpose. Like Darren Helm is is our best plus minus player on the team. Mm-hmm. He put up six shots in a game that we had sixteen total. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Like we I, talked about that last night, right. trust me. Like it's just I just don't see the value in trading these players that are actually have hold value to this team. Now the next guy uh for me on the list, uh, I don't know if you'll agree with this, but I got Franz Nielsen. Uh, he signed a, a let's see six year deal at five point two five million. Uh, he's in the fourth year of that right now. Signed that contract when he was thirty one, or, or maybe it was thirty two, something along those lines. Uh, that to me is not a good look. What, what do you where do you have Nielsen? I have Nielsen as the second worst. The second worst. Explain. I think it. I think his contract. We had just lost Datsuk, and we signed. Uh, he came. He's coming off a contract year, so you know. Granted, we. We needed that second role, that second line center filled. But to give him a third and already an aging player who you you know is leaving his prime. And then the first year of his contract, he puts up 41 points. And then he was in the 30s for the next two. And then this year he's got seven and 46. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a, a disaster of epic proportions. And you know, even though you look at a guy uh, like Franz Nielsen, who has played over 70 games, almost played all 82 games in the last couple of seasons, just missed a few games here or there, while you might be looking at those numbers and saying, well, you know, you couldn't get anything for him anyways. First off, that's simply, you know, not true. 
uh, there will be contenders who look at a veteran piece like Franz Nielsen and say, you know what, he's not putting up great numbers in Detroit this year, but maybe he just needs a change of scenery. And so that, I think, is really where you handcuff yourself because not only is that a, a veteran asset that you look to trade away uh, come the deadline time, but he's also underperforming. So he's not, you know, doing or he's not valuable in really any way except for maybe, you know, I don't know what goes on in that locker room, uh, obviously, but, you know, when you just kind of combine those two things, it's it's a giant headache. So I do guess, I, I guess I get why you have him that mm-hmm. high. Uh, but for me, you know, we kind of talked a little bit before we started, and the, the top five on this list are really kind of interchangeable in a right, lot of ways. Right, It It's just the, the whole, the thing with the no trade clause is just like, you don't know this declining guy, and even if, let's say, other teams are interested, he's he might not want to move. Mm-hmm. And to give this guy who's exiting his prime... On the wrong, f- like, a couple years on the wrong side of 30. Oh, yeah. A year or two. Oh, yeah. Just to give that guy who you know is not going to be able to hold up his end of the bargain throughout the end of his career the length and the money on top of a no-trade clause, I just think that is that is why he's so high up on my list. No, and I get that. Now, who is uh, who was your, your what, let's see, third pick? Who was your third pick? I had Daly. Trevor Daly. All right, talk to me. So I think Daly's wasn't bad. He was just coming off cups with Pittsburgh. We needed that bottom six guy. He's an older guy. He says, you know, hey, guys, hey, Ken, I just want to ride out the last couple of years here, and then we'll just go from there in the last year. And then if these rumors are true that Pierre Maguire, who I did not know was a trade breaker, did you? No. I had no, no, I had no clue this guy. <laughs> there were two sets of breaking news that night on uh, Hockey Night in America. One it was that Trevor Daly wanted out of Detroit, and two is that Pierre Maguire is uh, a newsbreaker. So that was pretty cool. A little two birds, one stone. <laughs> yeah, I, but I had Trevor because, you know, he's he's – He's in the last year of his contract. He it wasn't a, that expensive of a, of a contract. Now three years at three point one million for a veteran blue liner. That's not that bad, right? And he had plenty of playoff experience. He's a like he's a guy that can once again help these younger players get in. And like I just didn't think that. I mean, for the term and like I thought that was at the end when Ken wasn't shelling money out to these guys to try and keep a rebuild going. This is when he was just trying to rebuild and you know, help these younger guys get going. See, and that to me is kind of actually makes it even more of an issue. Now, I don't have uh, Trevor Daly ranked that high, although I did consider putting him at like two. So uh, Trevor Daly, he's going to come up two spots later for me uh, after Justin Abdelkader. So right now I got DeKaiser, Helm, Nielsen, Abdelkader, Daly. We'll get to Abdelkader in a second because I think you do want to touch on him or, you know, where, well, I guess... He's not next for you. We won't spoil the fun. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, but, but the, my biggest thing with Trevor Daly is, like you just mentioned, this wasn't a signing made to plug a hole on right. a team that could contend. Right. This was a sign. This was an. I don't even want to focus on the signing part. I want to talk about the no trade clause part. This was a, a no trade clause that was given well after it was established that the rebuild needed to happen and after the rebuild was in motion. That, to me, is what is most bothersome. When you sign a 33-year-old, you know, 34-year-old defenseman 
to that contract without the ability to ship him out. Now, obviously, and ended up working okay. He's obviously wants to go to a contender, uh, as Pierre Maguire told us on that one lovely Wednesday night before the All-Star break and a 4-2 loss to the Minnesota Wild. Uh, but, you know, that that to me is what makes it makes it bad is the the fact that had he not been willing or you know had the desire to go to a contender this contract is completely immovable and you know regardless of whether you you think you can get anything for him uh he's got let's see uh five points in 28 games this season obviously that's a hit against his you know uh value but teams are still going to be looking to add a guy like this there is a chance that they deal him will they get much in return probably not but I think at this point you have to give yourself, when you're going into a rebuild, I think your biggest concern has to be collecting assets to either deal or you know, lead your team later on down the road, and this is neither of those guys. Right. And like that's the thing, is that I, I, I'm really interested to see where Eisenman goes through this trade deadline. This is another side topic. This could easily be po- covered in another podcast. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> but okay. side side sidetrack. No, bring it up but right like, now. You know, I'm I'm really interested to see how he goes about maybe I don't even I'm not sure he's gonna be able to acquire assets at this trade deadline. I don't think he has a lot of trade trip chips. I did hear today, uh one thing we'll probably touch on in an episode or two in the future. I did see a, a rumor today uh that uh teams are very much in on Andreas Athanasiu. Yeah, I, 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 it has to be. It might honestly just be Athanasiu that mm-hmm. goes. And I think you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see any amount of things done. I wouldn't be surprised to see Iserman get you know get three guys off this roster. I wouldn't be surprised to see him stand pat and say, you know what, we didn't like what we got. We do you know have a need for some some veteran leadership on this team, and we think we can make a bigger splash at the at the draft with some of these other guys, or maybe just later on in the off season. Uh, rather than you know force something right now and not have uh, not have that presence not only on your team uh, but not have you know uh, the potential for a better deal later on down the road once teams kind of figure out where they are. Let's get back on track here now, Ethan. Can you do us a favor? Remind. So right now I have you know from least bad to most bad. I have DeKaiser, Helm, Nielsen, Abdulkader, Daly. Who have you picked so far? I have picked um, DeKaiser, Helm, Daly, and wait, how do you have five? Well, I've jumped around a little bit. Uh, I've like I've I've mentioned like oh I got this guy here. Well, I haven't really talked about Advocator yet. Advocator is fourth on my list. Uh, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Uh, we we do have to get to him in a second, but. Who is so you have three listed right now, yes. DeKaiser, Helm, and Daly. Now yes. who are the guys that you have left? And please uh name them in alphabetical order. So it's really it's very interchangeable. Um it was hard for me to pick these top four. Okay. In this order that okay. I'm not gonna give you yet. Okay. Um Ablocator, uh Erickson, Nielsen, and Weiss. That was that was too easy. Not enough D's and E's in there like I had when I <laughs> when I read it the first time. I was like oh, A B C D E. Okay, DeKaiser. Oh, oh boy. Uh, anyway, so who so who do you have uh, who do you have as fourth on your list? We got DeKaiser, Helm, Daly, and man, I'm almost second guessing this now. I'm gonna go. I, I'm actually gonna change it up. I'm gonna go with Nielsen. Wow. <laughs> I'm changing up from what I had. That was a coward's pick because he had a bold take on the way, and I kind of it just I doesn't kind make of, sense now. <laughs> yeah, I kind of. <laughs> 
All right. So talk to me about your. Uh, I mean, we talked about Franz Nielsen a little bit, but why? Right. Why did you originally have him uh, listed at two? I had him listed at two just because of you know just the age factor and everything, mm-hmm. like just what we were talking about. But I, the guy that I'm gonna now put what that's my so my third worst now is gonna be is Stephen Weiss. Stephen Weiss. Okay. I think a lot of people, you know, when we probably brought this up they probably projected that to be the top guy so what what are your thoughts on Stephen Weiss <laughs> I mean there I mean there aren't really many thoughts to have other than bad uh Stephen Weiss if you recall he signed a five-year contract at 4.9 million with a no trade clause uh I believe it was through the entirety of that contract is that correct yes um and he only played one and a half seasons in Detroit. Not, I mean, not he even a, that. He played a total of just over 70 in two years in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, you know, hernia surgery kind of ended his stint here. Red Wings bought him out in 2015. Uh, but what makes this contract so bad is the fact that in the lockout shortened year, Stephen Weiss uh, was coming off of a four-point season. You are correct. A four-point season in 17 games. Now, to be fair... In the six years uh, over, you know, in the six years leading up to that span, he was averaging 0.68 points per game. So I think, you know, there is uh, a little bit of leeway that's maybe granted uh, in this in this particular situation. But when he's given this contract, he's exactly 30. Go, you know, we talk about on the wrong side of 30. That to me is where the the no trade clauses really really aggravate me so I think that's why I have Steven Weiss so high on my list. And like his the the cost the average salary isn't horrible on that contract which is why I think it lowers it a bit for me. In in plus you know players get hurt people players lose seasons and you can't choose when you go into free agency. Right. When it, when your original team doesn't want you anymore. And he was that serviceable guy in that year before with Florida. I mean, he had a great year, 57 points in 80 games, you know? The year before he put up four points. Right, and set, yes, Correct. exactly. And the, the years before that, we got 49, 60, 61, 42, 48. So like, we t- like I just said, like in the years leading up to that. Uh, he was that serviceable two-way forward that was going to take Datsuk's spot or, at least, you know, on that second, third line and can be that guy that can help in both ends of the ice. And it just totally didn't work out like that. And that's the way it goes sometimes. This is sports. That's life. Yeah, that's life. It's not just sports. That's life. Uh, things hardly ever work out. Uh, don't try. Uh, give up while you can. Uh, but for me, so I got DeKaiser, Helm, Nielsen. Uh, Abdulkader is next for me. Now, Abdulkader... What to you? Well, so I'll start. I, I guess I'll start. You went first with uh, with the last Nielsen one, but Justin Abdelkader, currently in the third year of seven years at four point two five million. He's got three points in thirty six games. There are so many things I could talk about. He puts up forty four points playing with Dotsuk and Zetterberg in a contract year. I get that. Power forward in his prime. Let's lock him up. But history has shown that when you're signing power forwards, guys that fight, guys that get hurt, their bodies break down. And to sign somebody who's in his prime, playing with two of the best centers in Detroit history, in hockey history, 
to put up 44 points than to give him a lifelong contract. Yeah, at over four million dollars a year, and and like that contract, not only is it for a power forward who like clearly benefited so much from having so much marquee talent around him, it signed him through his age thirty six season. Like, how often do power forwards even make it that far? Right. And so, to me, I mean, that is that's one of the worst parts about all of it, and the fact that he's only what thirty two, thirty three right now, and uh, and he's already starting to show some serious cracks in the armor uh, of his game. Like we mentioned, he's been extremely unproductive. I railroaded him the last two episodes of the podcast for those penalties he took over the Rangers against the Rangers this weekend. Oh yeah, and you know, I I feel like, and maybe I'm just uh, piling on here, but I feel like that's been kind of his mo for a really long time. Like the 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 untimely penalties late in the game. He doesn't take a ton of penalties, but every time he does go to the box, it feels like it's at a crucial crucial point of the game. Do you agree? Absolutely. It's. Just having him being relegated to that fourth line in the last two years that he's been here, you know, essentially since he's signed this contract. This is his third year. You know, he's probably he was playing around second line, third line minutes that first year of that contract. And then just these last two years, it's it's just it, it's so it's I know it's hard to, you know, project where people are going to be and how to. You know, and make no mistake, like every a couple of these guys that we've talked to talked about so far, like he does have the benefit of the doubt of playing on, you know, maybe the worst team in the salary cap era. Right. Right. I mean, there's just these contracts just stink. <laughs> it just hurts. It just hurts. And to like, have to here's, talk the, about. here's the thing: is that like, you know, we started this like talking about, uh, you know, this is we we've obviously mainly been focusing on the no trade clause aspect of this. But, you know, I think when you look at this contract as a whole, this might be the worst overall contract besides the last guy that we're going to name. I think it's really right. They're making the same amount of money. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's, they were signed at the same, at the same age, 29 years old. If you're, Keeping track at home, you probably have guessed who it is already. It's Jonathan Erickson. He's the number one on our list. Uh, both lists. Um, and I just, I just don't understand. Like that was Ken Holland's mo was committing all this money to veteran guys, veteran role players, who, staying loyal yeah. to the guys that have been here and put in time in one cups. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think when you when you look back at the Stephen Weiss contract, I think you might even give him a little bit of leeway on that. Maybe not for the no trade clause, uh, but for the fact that he did sign him to that contract, uh, that five years, four point nine million. After that season, you could give him the benefit of the doubt and say, well, you know, everybody had kind of an off-kilter year. Everybody, that was a lockout-shortened year. Uh, you know, I think I think there's some some wiggle room to be had there in the justification. But with Abdelkader and this last guy that we're going to talk about, Jonathan Erickson, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, and, and these two are really interchangeable, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are just two really bad contracts. And, I mean, Erickson with a full no-trade clause through his first four years – uh, I mean, you know, what year is he in of this kind? He's he's up after this season, correct? Yes, he's up after I, this year. I did know that. Uh, sorry, guys, I'm showing myself a little bit. It's a late night <laughs> late night recording. Uh, but but you know, at, at the very least, he's off the books after this year. Justin Abdelkader, like we just mentioned, this was all happening right as they went into the rebuild. Why would you not want a guy like Justin Abdelkader to be disposable? I don't know. I can't tell you. <laughs> 
Yeah, we don't really have a lot of answers here at the Lockdown Red Wings podcast, but what we do have is strong opinions. Now, uh, you know, the Jonathan Erickson thing, obviously, I think he'll probably be at the top of most of your lists if you're out there listening. Uh, this, the thing about Jonathan Erickson is that he never really had his moment in the sun. No. Like, to become a Red Wings fan favorite, unlike the other guys. Like, I talked about uh, Darren Helm yesterday and how I, I, was, I wanted Darren Helm jersey back in 2009. You know, I was a huge Justin Abdulkader fan when he came out of Michigan State, joined the playoffs in 2008, won the cup with the Red Wings. Huge Justin Abdulkader fan. I don't want to say never like Jonathan Erickson. He's handsome as hell, and quite frankly, it just would come off as jealousy. But, uh, (laughs) you know, with the Jonathan Erickson thing, I think he's always been a target of Red Wings fans, and I just think it's really kind of... From a management standpoint, from a public relations standpoint, I really like there's a lot of different ways that I can't wrap my head around this contract. And, you know, don't get me wrong, Jonathan Erickson, he's done nothing really particularly wrong to Red Wings fans. He, I'm sure he's done a ton of charity uh, charity events and stuff like that. But I've heard he's a very nice guy. I bet he is. I bet he is. He's Swedish. Slight smiles. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I was going to, one of these episodes, I was going to do a a power ranking of Red Wings I'd least like to fight based on their team picture. And he, (laughs) and, and Jonathan Erickson was like second on the list behind Tyler Bertuzzi simply because like, not because Jonathan Erickson looks like a scary dude, but Jonathan Erickson is the guy who says, look, man, why don't you leave the girl alone (laughs) in the movies? You know, like that's Jonathan Erickson. And like, just good looking, tall. He's going to say that, and then he's not going to try and hit on the girl he just saved because he's actually a good guy. So I think, <laughs> if anything else, you know, Jonathan Erickson, if you're out there listening, please don't beat me up. <laughs> now, do you have any last thoughts? Run me through your final list one more time. All right. Look, I. I'll, I'll go first. I got DeKaiser, Helm, Nielsen, Abdicator, Daly, Weiss, and Erickson. Yeah, DeKaiser, Helm, Daly, Nielsen, Weiss, Abby, Erickson. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We went a little bit long today. I hope you guys don't mind. Uh, And we will, of course, be back tomorrow as well on Thursday with a new edition of Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Uh, I'm not sure if Ethan will be back yet. I still have to make that decision. I got to go listen to the tape, review, you know, his comments and stuff like that. See if I stuttered. Absolutely. Uh, but gotcha. the good news is that if you know, worst case scenario, I can just delete this audio, uh, <laughs> tell him it was an accident, and that my boss said he wasn't allowed to come on the show. So thank you guys so much for tuning in, uh, Ethan. Do you want to sign off? Thank you for having me, Nolan. It's been a pleasure. You know, I I, ho- I just hope I'm back sometime soon. I'm sure. It was, this was a blast. I'm sure we'll have you back. And I hope we have you back tomorrow for another edition of Lockdown Red Wings.